This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 You're listening to Radio Kidnap. It's the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is a program called Candy View. It's all about finances, and it's our pleasure to have on the phone Nick Stewart, who is the CEO of the Stewart Group, right here in Hastings. How are you going, Nick? Very good. Great to be back in the office with a little bit of normality. Yes, indeed. Level two. What does that mean to you as a business? Uh, it means we can function at the office. Um, we just have to have, um, you know, tracing and, um, you know, good hygiene protocols and such like, which we have in place. But for the most part, uh, a lot of people are still happy to, you know, have um, have discussions on the phone, um, you know, video conferencing and such like. But certainly for getting documents signed, being able to meet face-to-face is a lot easier than doing it um doing it electronically absolutely and now today you want to talk about that budget from the dark side of the moon that was a budget and a half wasn't it oh that was a monster yeah um you know i mean you know we're good hinterland folks so you know i'll use the analogy you know we're betting the farm on this um it's it's a huge fiscal program um over the next five years what does that mean for Joe Blow investors, Nick? I mean, um, I think most people like myself, I don't understand the implications of it, but what are, what are some of the implications that we should be considering? Well, effectively, we're taking our debt to GDP or um, gross domestic product. We are taking it from 19% to fork, uh, a forecast 54%. So we're borrowing an extra... $140 billion, which is roughly $80,000 per Kiwi household. So it's the equivalent of uh, a household having a second mortgage. So it's a lot of debt. Um, and But, you know, but we need to reflect on the fact that, you know, we have had a succession of prudent governments yep. who have slowly over a period of time lowered our indebtedness. For example, the debt level we're about to go up to is the same level of debt that we had as a country back in 1992. Right. Now, if we were in that sort of debt on our own, we might, I suppose, be worried about it. But it's a global uh, indebtedness, isn't it? Everyone's in the same boat. So should we be worried about it or not? Well, yes, everyone's in the same boat. but, But I... I keep hearing these comments that, um, you know, we are a, you know, lowly indebted nation. Whereas, in fact, our government has a low level of indebtedness. But our private sector, in other words, households, people like yourself and mm-hmm. myself and businesses, we actually have quite a high level of debt. So for a long period of time, we've had a lowly indebted government, highly indebted private sector, whereas a lot of other countries are the other way around. They have a highly indebted government, but a lowly indebted private sector. Mm. So we now 
are going to have both sectors with relatively high leverage. So it means that when you bet the farm, so to speak, you need it to work really, really well because you you know you'll struggle to keep doing it. So the average Kiwi household, you know, what if they're at a LVR loan to value ratio against their home of seventy percent, well, mm. they really can't borrow that much more. No, indeed. And, and and the government, you know, we the government puts itself in a similar straitjacket because once you spend it, you can't just keep borrowing and borrowing forever. Because the other aspect is one day, one generation or generation are going to have to repay this debt. Which is a good point. I mean, where does that money come from? They're not going to the uh, the Kiwi Bank and saying, give us $50 billion, are they? <laughs> and, and, and what sort of interest rate do we pay on that? I mean, is, is it prohibitive? Are we getting a good deal on it or what? Well, look, it's, um, we go to the global market. So um, the government the government has a, a program that we've utilised for an incredibly long period of time, as, as other governments do. And, and they go to the global markets and they borrow lot, you know, using long-dated bonds. And, and you know, around the world, you know, New Zealand is deemed to be uh, credit-worthy and therefore the interest rate that the government pays on those bonds, on that indebtedness, is actually um, very, very reasonably priced, mm. particularly at this period of time in this cycle, you know, the debt is very, very cheap in comparison to what it was back in 1992 when Jim Bolger was the Prime Minister. I mean, back then, we were spending more money on servicing our debt than we spent on either health or education. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Big numbers. At what stage, Nick, will it be harder for us to borrow money? I mean, I, I think, you know, the Prime Minister's uh, saying that we can see light at the end of the tunnel in a couple of years, but we're going into a world's recession, there's no doubt about that. So at what time do you think that uh, it might not be so easy for us to get money, or will that time not come? Well, if everyone wants to borrow money at the same time around the world, well, eventually that amount of liquidity will be used up, because if everyone's trying to borrow at the same time... Um, you know, a supply and demand, it's going to see the price of debt increase. In other words, the cost of borrowing will increase if everyone is trying to borrow at the same time. Mm -hmm. So um, that's not on the horizon at the moment because if you look at global interest rates, they're actually very flat. But, you know, markets do change. Um, And in in terms of repaying it, well, the way you repay it is either by growing your economy and making it more productive um, or you have to raise revenue and raising revenue means raising taxes. And that was something that, in this budget, they parked to the side. Whereas normally, there's a lot of debate around taxes, about you know who gets a tax cut, where additional taxes will be raised. This particular budget there was nothing about that. It was purely um, a Keynesian-style um, budget where it was all about the big spend. And the idea is to try to spend us through this, wow, I don't know, I'd, I'd yeah. call it fog that we yes. have coming up. Now, like I say, the uh, the Prime Minister was uh, fairly uplifting about the forecast of, you know, when we can expect to see uh, more jobs and uh, when mm. that light at the end of the tunnel is uh, going to be brighter. Are you on the same page? Do you, do you share her uh, optimism or not? Um, I would I would say no. 
the assumptions produced by Treasury are Herculean, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, when we think about that, you know, back in 2007, the unemployment rate rose by 3% at peak, and it took 10 years for us to get back to the same level. Whereas the forecasts that have been given in this budget show us returning to normality in 24 to 36 months. Well, you know, that would be, I mean, it would be absolutely brilliant if we achieved that. But at the moment, our unemployment numbers are on a steeper trajectory than they were in the global financial crisis. So to say we're going to come out the other side with some miraculous Hail Mary, mm. um, yes. uh, hey, I... I don't know. I'm, I just say that I'm uh, a little bit more of a realist, and I can't see that happening. Just cause, because, look, the numbers look, the numbers are very, very steep at the moment. But the fact is, we've got a wage subsidy program that's still in place. Yes, we still have most firms have between two and a half and three and a half weeks to go of their wage subsidy. They can then. If their revenue has tanked by more than 50%, they can seek an additional eight weeks wage subsidy support. But the fact is that that wage subsidy is carrying people, you know, the government are effectively incentivising businesses to carry people on payroll. Now, at the end of that 12 weeks, a lot of businesses haven't had a 50% drop. They've had like a 30%. Their wage subsidy will cease and then you will see redundancy. Yeah, so uh, I was talking to an MP today, though, and they thought that, you know, don't write it off as finishing maybe in uh, eight more weeks that maybe part of that $20 billion that the government uh, has got in their back pocket um, may be used um, for more wage subsidy. Do you think that uh, that's a likelihood or not? Um, Yeah, I'm sure there will be some form of extension, but if we think about what's happened at the moment with the next extension, the next extension was for businesses that had a 50% drop in revenue. The previous lot was for, the previous grant was for a 30% drop. So 50% is massive. I mean, some, sometimes I think there's a bit of a disconnect between revenue and margin because a lot of businesses, they can only dream of having margins that would allow them to survive a yeah. compression rate of anything near 50%. A lot of businesses, a 25 or 30% is fatal, particularly for a prolonged period of time. The other aspect, uh, you know, and the cynic in me sees this as a bit of a dead cat bounce. And let's use um, a hair salon or a barber because, you know, they've all been in the press about the queues yeah. and, you know, they've you know, pumped through massive numbers of people have come in for a haircut. But the fact is that their revenue is going to bounce back up coming out of the recent lockdown coming out of level three going to level two. So a whole lot of people going to get a haircut, but then instead of coming back in three to four weeks later, they're probably going to push it out for six weeks when, you know, the um, economic reality starts to bite. So what you're going to have is their revenue is going to bounce back up. It's then going to fall again, being that proverbial dead cat bounce. So that would mean that in the eight-week wage subsidy program, kicks off on the 10th of June, right at the time when businesses' revenue has bounced back up, coming into level two, and then a month later their revenue tanks again. So a lot of businesses are going to need the eight-week extension to the wage subsidy 
but unfortunately, because of the dead cat bounce, they're uneligible. We spoke a couple of weeks back about, uh, you know, if you can't really afford to be in business, for instance, then uh, maybe mm. you shouldn't be there. If you haven't got the a bit of money in the bank to carry yourself on, then, you know, that's your problem. Is that a fair comment to make? I mean, should the government be pouring money into businesses that um, might have been on the on the borderline anyway? Well, uh, the conundrum is that you either go broad and wide yep. and you support everyone. Otherwise, if you go the other way and you go narrow, you then start, it, 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 you're picking winners. Yep. And that is politically dangerous. Um yeah, so I think the the reason why they went wide was the experience that the uh, previous government had learned through the uh, Canterbury earthquake mm-hmm. was that it's better to go broad and wide and support all rather than trying to pick one of, and that's what the wage subsidy wage subsidy scheme does, and certainly achieved on that first package of twelve weeks. Yeah, what lesson do you think, um, Nick? That small businesses and medium-sized businesses can take from this disaster? If they were going to do something different moving forward when we come out of the come out the other end, mm. what would that most valuable lesson be that they're going to learn from all this? Um, holding a higher level of working capital, having more reserves, the kind of rainy day fund, just as the government has done, businesses will look back and say, we should have done the same. And the other thing is, their investment in their remote infrastructure, so in other words, their ability to operate and transact online and remotely, will be paramount going forward. If you're speaking of investing, uh, you'd be wise to invest in uh, those companies who are maybe looking at providing a vaccine, wouldn't you? (laughs) Well, yeah, if you pick the right one. But then again, if we think back to, um, you know, we still don't have a vaccine for um, HIV, we don't have it for SARS, we don't have it for bird flu, for swine flu, and we've spent a lot of money, um, you know, mankind has spent a lot of money trying to remedy those issues, and we have been unable to do so. So, look, one may hope and pray that we do have one for COVID-19, but uh, you know, if you're a betting man and you were following um, historical track records, um, yeah, it doesn't look good for finding a vaccine, the silver bullet. Yeah, do you think the do you think the average Kiwi has actually taken has taken stock on how bad the economy will or might be, or, or do you think we're in in a bit of a holiday mode that's sort of not quite chill, be right? But yeah, which one do you think um, it is? Well. I don't think it's a holiday mode. I just think people just aren't aware of how bad it is. Mm. I think that the uh, wage subsidy scheme did a lot um, to ease the nerves of some people um, because it gave them some carry. I think that you know you can only you can only dodge the bullet for so long, and you know when you have had a, um, I believe that our numbers are about a five point six percent. Um, contraction in GDP thus far, mm. with it potentially going t- to 10, well, when you're looking at those numbers, if, if as a nation we're producing, say, let's say it is as bad as 10, if, if we uh, are getting 10% less productivity and 10% less outputs for what we do, in other words, and it flows directly back to our wallet, then eventually 
eventually that will come home to roost. Yeah. And and the you know the pain will be there, and people will wake up and realise that at a at a point of time. Just when that will be in the months ahead, we don't know. And as you and I have spoken about with residential housing, that is a lag indicator. Yeah. Well, at the moment, our job numbers appear to be a lag indicator also because of the wage subsidy program. Because rather than letting people go, in other words, redundancy programs, et cetera, occurring, businesses were obliged and they signed off um, in terms of when they applied for the wage subsidy, they had to agree that they would hold people on. Now, some businesses have have folded and haven't managed to get that far, but it'll be interesting to see at the 12-week mark what happens. That will be quite telling. Okay, the realist in you, um, Nick, mm. uh, says that uh, the government's saying that the unemployment rate could return to 4.2 within two years. What are you, what are you picking this going to be like in two years' time? Oh, in two years' time, um, it will have got better. But um, I'd bet you a bottle of Hawke's Bay's finest wine, or one of Hawke's Bay's finest bottles, a, I will bet you a bottle of Coleraine, Ken, and you can hold me to this in 24 <laughs> months' time, that our unemployment rate will not be back to 4.2%. Will it be within Kui of that, though? Uh, I would say no. No, I think this is going to be a little bit longer than a lot of people think. The other aspect is that the longer that we delay... In other words, if we smooth the curve coming down, I don't believe we'll bounce out the other side as fast. So I don't think it'll be a, I don't think it'll be a V-type uh, uh, recession. I think it'll be more like a U, and I think there'll be some structural reform within businesses that will need to go on and, and within industry sectors such as tourism. So, so the reason why, so let's, let's focus on the 4.2. If one of our largest employers is the um, tourism sector and we're talking about not opening up our borders fully for two years, that is the one reason why I really struggle to see that the forecast 4.2% would be achievable unless we were to fully open our borders and it was happy days again. And are we kidding ourselves that the uh, local tourism will pick up the slack? I mean, if unemployment's almost going to double, let's say it does double. Mm. Well, we won't be able to afford to have the holidays locally anyway, will we? Uh, correct, yeah. Well, I think we'll have some very um, immediate travel, immediate travel being, say, yep. let's say, if you've not been up to the Motu up north above Gisborne, you might get in your car and spend a long day, you know, a long weekend up there. It would be a cheap and um, uh, reasonably affordable trip, nice and simple, no flights. But I think the um, you know you know the uh, the two flights down to Queenstown yep. and paying premium rates, I I just struggle to see that the average Kiwi is going to do that with that with the level of uncertainty that is out there. Yeah. So, what's your best bit of advice uh, to someone? Are we, are we hunkering down, or we're going to open our wallets up? What's the best bit of advice you've got? Uh, the best advice, I think, is for people to rebuild their cash reserves. A lot of people have used up some of those reserves already. If it is a dead cat bounce and we enter a, a further period of negativity, you need some cash reserves. So I think people need to act prudently. Um, look, the last thing you want to do is to be, is, you know, to be burnt with one hand and then be burnt with the other. Um, and then, and then you are, you are then forced in a, into a position where you don't have choices. And you and I have spoken before about the difference between a willing seller and a forced seller. 
you don't want to be the fourth seller. No. So but, on that basis, you know, a little bit of dry powder is key. A little bit like what the government has done historically. They've built up this war chest of dry powder, and with these low interest rates at the moment, and you know, record low interest rates, and with the world awash of liquidity, they're using some of that dry powder to invest in God's own. And if you want to come and see you, Nick, at the Stuart Group, just remind our listeners before I let you get back to work, where are you? We are at 204 Kadamu Road in Hastings. It's a black basalt stone building with a carton logo. You can't miss it. Good on you, Nick. As always, a pleasure. You look after yourself. We'll talk to you same time, same place next week. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.